everybody. It's David Nagel. Welcome to the Successful Mind Podcast. Um, I just did an absolutely amazing interview with uh, Chris and Nick. And I think this one, you know, you, we, we, we talk about things changing your life. Um, when we understand that the paradigms that people are operating with in life that are handed down to us, that limit our ability to be, do, and have what we want, are so prevalent around the world, not just for people that are generally healthy, but anybody that's born with a challenge, uh, like Chris with Down syndrome, from the, from the moment that he was born, his parents were said, told them that there was no independence, and that they were going to have to do most everything for this child, for the rest of this child's life, for the rest of their life. And not only have they completely changed that around, uh, but he's the first person with Down syndrome to finish an Ironman triathlon. And as you're going to hear all the other amazing things that he's going on to do, like the Boston Marathon, New York Marathon. Uh, and uh, as he says, he loves beautiful women too. So, I mean, there's just, there's, there's nothing that this guy is not capable of. And he really believes that God put it in his heart for him to be here to change the lives of basically everybody and how we think. Chris Nigich is the first person with Down syndrome to complete the Ironman triathlon. Now he's inspiring others to achieve their goals by getting 1% better every day. And you gotta hear the story about this 1% because anybody can apply this and, and achieve amazing things over a period of time because this 1% builds upon itself. It compounds like compounding interest but it's compounding in intellect, it's compounding in emotion, it's compounding in capability. From the moment Chris was born, his parents knew that he would achieve anything he set his mind to. So when Chris became involved in triathlons with the Special Olympics, his dad, Nick Nickich, took on the role of coach. Together, they sent their sights on Chris becoming the first person with Down syndrome to complete an Ironman triathlon. A business coach and entrepreneur, Nick says that the 1% Better Mindset has helped Chris achieve so many of his goals. In this book, Chris shares how the 1% Better System can help others achieve their dreams every single day. They can overcome mental hurdles of pain, stay motivated using irrefutable laws of motivation, see failures as opportunities for, for improvement, and form lifelong habits of success. Again, the book here is called 1% Better, Reaching My Full Potential and How You Can Too. You can get it at any of the uh, major book suppliers, including Amazon. And an audio version of it is also going to be released shortly too. So without further ado, let's check out this very special interview. Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. Hello, everybody. This is David Nagel. I'd like to welcome you to another episode of the Successful Mind Podcast. Today, it is a great pleasure and honor to introduce both Chris and Nick Nickich. Um, today, you're going to learn something that I think will absolutely blow your mind, change your paradigm, 
um, not only about people that are that are they come into our world with challenges, but about human nature to begin with. Because I see the the story that you're about to to hear and learn about um, is one that involves more than just one person overcoming and finding out what they're actually capable of as far as the human spirit and the ideas that God can put on a person's heart, but the belief that has to change within multiple individuals in order for people to win in society. And we currently live in an age where we need so much more information and and education as far as individual purpose. And I completely believe that people like Chris have come here with the idea to put that inspiration into our hearts and to say, you know something, if you can do something that most of the average people are, have a difficult time even doing because of a higher sense of purpose, can you imagine the amount of knowledge, the amount of trust, the amount of encouragement that you give to people through the things that you actually do? Your ability to be able to go beyond what is most people can even comprehend in their mind to be able to pull something off and do it in such an extraordinary way. And, and here's how I would like to start this out, because this is a question that's been going through my mind, um, not only since I read the book, but I was watching some of the interviews that you did on, on YouTube uh, that were extraordinary, by the way. And I really want to hear about the ants, too. Like, you got to tell me that story about the ants. How did you notice, though, Nick, that you were on to something with making this progress when you when you self-admittedly said that most people couldn't see it because it, it takes such a long time to actually see the progress. It's not that it's not happening, but you're not measuring it because you don't even realize that it's there. What changed that for you? So um, I, I own a company that does that for you know a living. I help organizations measure progress because uh, it's easy to miss what's working, what's not. And so with Chris, I did the same thing. I took what I do for work and I said, look, buddy, we're just going to measure. We're not going to compare you to anybody else. We're just going to help you become a little bit better each day. And if you don't measure it, the progress is so slow that compared to other people, you feel like you're going backwards. Okay. And so we decided to stop looking at everybody else and only look at Chris and his progress so that he can get closer to his potential which we believe was very different from other people's potential, and, and we were convinced that it was different. So that's how it happened. So we, we started tracking, put it on a spreadsheet, and put it on a graph, and we noticed that the progress, while minimal, was progress, and that's all that really mattered was that Chris was making progress. Did you – how much did, did what doctors tell you about people with Down syndrome affect your own paradigm as far as what your son could do? Well, for the first 18 years, for me and my wife, it affected us enormously because we bought into the paradigm. Um, that was the biggest mistake. If I have any regrets in my life, it's that for 18 years, as a parent of someone who had a gift that God put deep inside of him, we weren't helping him realize his gift because we accepted society's paradigm about what he couldn't do. And you'll ask Chris, you know, as we get into it, you know, and he'll tell you now that don't tell me what I can't do because he believes he can do anything. And so what happened a few years ago is we decided to shut the world out. We decided to stop listening to everybody. We decided to create our own paradigm and to say, look, um, we don't want to listen to that anymore because we don't like the results we've gotten. And we were on a mission to help Chris 
uh, we we weren't really thinking about the bigger picture. We were just on a mission to help our son become more included yeah. and, uh, and more involved in society and a little more capable so he can enjoy uh, the rest of his life. And it started out as a really simple journey. Uh, but I did shut out the rest of the world because I didn't want him to hear anything other than you can do it, buddy. You can get better every day. Chris, what was your what was your mindset around it before your dad started to say shut out the world and start to look at measuring your progress? Did you feel that you were capable of more at that point, or was this a struggle for you also? So, uh, you know, it's such an honor that uh, that my dad said the world out is because uh, the only he did that. He did that because he just wants me to uh, live independent. And uh, like he said, I'll be quiet. And uh, you know, uh, God sitting here to uh, to do what's possible. And when I crossed that for this night and coming up to Florida, I knew that God was sending to you for this night and he brought those angels over me. Yes, he did bring all the angels over you, baby. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you do you feel, Chris, now that so I think that this so this is this is my question. I'm and I'm so excited to even ask this. Now that you did this, going through the, the, the rigors of the training, competing, um, going through all of the physical and the mental challenges, do you see yourself as having a more expanded purpose since then? Has it grown for you? I want to see myself in the marathons right now. I'm doing the Boston Marathon. I've been laughing of October. I'll be doing November, New York City Marathon. And really? And the DC Marathon. And uh, with this hard, basically mentally training, it takes time. Yeah. And it goes um, repetition after repetition. So maybe the other question he, he wants to know is when you started reading all of the social media, the thousands of moms and dads who started sending you a message, he wants to know what, what did that make you feel like? What's your mission now after you're reading all those thousands of social media posts? So I've been noticing that our parents have been saying that I'm the hero and then I'm the leader, and it goes back to where the dream got started. And how does it make you feel when I tell you you're the hero, role model, and the leader? Yeah. Okay. Happy, yeah. And what do you want to do for them? I just want to be included. That's, that's incredible. That, I mean... The, the, you know, it's interesting because even the most educated people, you're changing their paradigm. You're changing the paradigm of doctors. Of I heard you say in, the, when you were talking to Bobby, I think it was, uh, in the YouTube, that now you need the numbers, right? More and more people 
with Down syndrome and, and other and other challenges to be able to do these things to change the, the mindset of the medical community uh, so that they don't believe that like this is just a one-off type of a fluke, but they, but you're really looking at, listen, this person, you we, we can train the mind, we can educate the mind, we can train the mind and the body together to do things beyond what you think is only possible for someone. I've always, pardon me? Absolutely. And, and the numbers help do that, yes? Yeah, so, you know, think of it this way. You know, people are saying, well, Chris is the exception because they don't remember, you know, just a few years ago that he was, I tell people, you know, a few years ago, Chris's girlfriend, who's a year younger with Down syndrome, was going to the World Games while Chris was fiddling around on the couch, right? His other best friend from childhood, Abigail, all five, four foot six of her, is getting all this worldwide attention. And David and Cerise, his other friends with Down syndrome, all his age or younger, are much more successful going to states and world games. And Chris is your average kid with Down syndrome. So you know, the kind of people don't remember that. Now right. they see him as an Iron Man and think, well, he's just <clears> the exception. And so it takes numbers to to change people's perception. So now Abigail and Chad and um, others with Down syndrome are all doing triathlons. Now they're showing, hey, if Chris can do it, we can do it. That's really what's going to become important. It's the next 10, the next 100. Yes. Um, so change perceptions. Chris is just a spark, and we hope he's the spark that, that lights a big match and, a, uh, and we get a, a, you know, a, a raging inferno of others doing this so that we can change the world's perceptions of what our kids can do. Absolutely. Chris is like the Roger Bannister of Down syndrome. I mean, how many people went the four-minute mile after Bannister finally broke it? After thousands of years, nobody could break that thing, right? It's it's so incredible the, that the not only is the human mind so capable of doing things like you folks are doing, but it's also capable of being so rigid that it doesn't want it doesn't want to allow people to give them the chance to be able to do it. And the fact that God sends people like you here to be able to show the rest of us what's actually possible is extraordinary. I mean, it is so extraordinary. You know the. The I think one of the biggest problems that we have in the world right now is that we're not raising people with a sense of purpose. You know, when you take when you take God and religion and those kind of values out of society, what are we left with? We're not left with much as far as this internal guidance of <clears throat> excuse me of where we're going. But then when somebody does something like you folks are doing it's a renewed sense of, of restoration to the soul. I think that it is. And it, when I heard about your story, it was just, it brought tears to my eyes because I cannot even imagine what it must've been like to have to work through breaking those different barriers inside of yourself. Did Chris, did you study anybody that had done this before or was it your, everything was your, your own unique approach to this based on on what you and your father did yeah uh when people heard that i was coming on the red carpet they knew that uh that i completed the 140.6 miles they knew that uh they would take pictures of Tell me that uh, how to inspire. And they realized that 
then they see me as a two-time SB River in New York City. And uh, then they see me as... Uh, they see you that way now, buddy. Uh, California, LA, something. <laughs> and then <laughs> also uh, see me playing uh, the... RPTA in Arkansas. Yeah, they haven't seen all that coming, did they? Yeah. He, he played in a pro-am last week in, in Arkansas. Is that the, right? The Walmart um, LPGA tournament. Yeah. And we were in the pro-am in the last hole, 25-foot uh, putt for us. We had to make it in order to win the pro-am. Chris steps up and drills a 25-foot putt. Awesome. That's awesome. Congratulations. That's just a visual for what, where Chris is now. He believes he can do anything, and he does. Um, and look, you know, to your question, uh, it is absolutely um, kind of what happened. We Chris has a gift that was very deep inside of him that we didn't know. And it, and it took um, uh, Chris going through a process of just getting 1% better each day for about two, two and a half years. That's where this thing falls apart with most people. Most people want a 30-day return uh, yeah. on their investment of time. This was a two, two-and-a-half-year journey. And, you know, Chris went through that journey only to realize that there was this gift buried deep inside that took effort and time for it to come out. And that's what happened with Chris. Uh, it, it became obvious to us that he had a gift that was uh, placed there, uh, you know, by a higher power, uh, we, we, we're strong believers that, you know, God, you know, chooses the right sure. people at the right time. And so imagine the, uh, the circumstances in the middle of a pandemic, every Ironman in the world is canceled. Chris set a goal to do an Ironman. We signed up a year earlier before the pandemic started for the Ironman Florida. And guess what? God said, that's the only one in the world I'm not going to cancel. There you go. There you go. Those are not coincidences, right? No. That That is... That is divine intervention right there. And everybody kept saying, well, stop training because it's going to get canceled. I said, no, it's not. God's got a plan for this one. It's not getting canceled. We're training and he's doing it. And people said, you're crazy. Just slow down and wait till next year. Yeah. And, uh, no, we had a vision. We had a dream. God put it in our hearts and, uh, and he made it happen. You know, we were just kind of along for the ride. And I saw people on that scene that I'm a, a athlete. Uh, who just signed a contract and they want to see me as a future price speaker and they want me to see as a, like, get married to a hottie <laughs> mother. Absolutely. Else. Is there anything you can't do? No. Okay. That's what I thought. That's it. I could do each your party all day, all night. <laughs> Okay, so so here's so here's a question, and 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 Nick, a answer this first, and I'd like to hear Chris's version of this. What does one percent a day look like? What does that look like? So, a year ago, I started with my preset, and then see up in squad, and then that's called my preset. I. Uh, I'm in Florida, it's up to uh, 200 of each. And then by Hawaii, I'll be there 500. And so that's a perfect 
illustration of the 1% philosophy. Chris couldn't do a push-up, a sit-up, and a squat when we started. Okay. So, so we said, okay, buddy, we need to build a strong core. So push-ups, sit-ups, squats, pull-ups, dips, and crunches, right? That's your, your core. Well, now Chris is doing 400 of those because he just increased by one every few days. And over time, so one more rep, right? Yes. One is more. it uh, one, one more rep? One more. So we built this philosophy of one more, uh, right? We, you know, the 1% um, rules that we built essentially say, look, let's make it fun, right? Let's eliminate the pain and let's just do one more. And we live by that philosophy. And when you're willing to do that over a six to 12 month period, extraordinary okay. things start to happen and momentum picks up. And the 1% is a way to kind of think about it, but it really is taking anything and adding one increment to it. Something you can easily remember. So I tell Chris, Chris, how many push-ups and squats did you do last time? He's at 39. How many are you going to do today? If you did 39 last time, how many are you doing today? 40. 40. That's it. That's how he knows his training plan in okay. advance because it's just one more from the last time. So Chris, was there ever a point where your dad would say, Okay, so you did 39, what's the next one? And you go 40, but then you get into doing the work and the pain is, is causing you to want to quit. You, I'm sure you've had that happen, right? But you, how did you deal with that? How did you push back your mind going, this hurts too much, I want to stop? So uh, during the, uh, the Ironman, like on my tank, on the man side, I had pain. I had like blisters. I had legs uh, and acid in my body. Okay. And my dad came out. And at that point, he put me inside and he said, he said, "Diet going on right now, between your pain and your dream." And he said, "What's it going with? Between the pain and the dream." So like, when on a bike course, he said, "He said, diet going on." Between the pain and the dream. And on a bike course, I said the dream. And same thing on the marathon. He said, it's a bad going on. Between the pain and the dream. You're going to be Iron Man tonight. Which one's going to choose? And then I said the dream. And when I crossed that line, I knew I was done. I knew that my granny went down that I'm a nightmare. When I heard the words that I'm a nightmare, I had lost my house. <laughs> I knew that the race was over. And I knew that I had to, like, I knew I had to um, drink a beer. And that beer would resemble me as, 
if I'm giving you more eyebrows, then I got to drink more Corona. All right. <laughs> and, you know, Chris summarized, summarized it really well there, right? It's, uh, you know, in life, there's a battle between our pain and our dreams. Yeah. And you got to choose. And Chris always chooses his dream. And I believe God gives us a dream so big that it overshadows everything else. And so in Chris's case, his dream for inclusion, for a life of independence, for being like the rest of us is so big that everything else uh, takes second place. And so he never allows, to your question, never allows the circumstances to uh, win over his dreams. His dream is so strong uh, that, that it'll win every time. So like when I cross that face, man, when I when I have to hug my dad, yeah. he said, what do you want? I'm like, wife. <laughs> wife. So like, so he's not emotionally crying. And I'm like, wife. I'm he's not like, crying. You suck. Like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> he wants that life badly, so he's willing to work for it. So, so Nick, I, it's one thing for, for Chris to embrace his own dream. How did you manage to get to the place where you had to be strong for the both of you until he could be strong for himself? How did you overcome that? Because so many parents, they, they have a very difficult time with the emotional maturity around that. How did, how did you get there? Well, fortunately, Chris and I had the same dream. You did. Uh, his, his independence. Uh, he had the dream to have his independence, and I had the dream for him to have his independence. Because, look, you know, uh, my wife and I are in our 60s. Yeah. We're not getting any younger. Um, you know, as parents, what do we think about? We think about the welfare of our children. And so the dream of helping him become independent was so great that I was willing to go through whatever I needed to go through to help him until he was self-sufficient. My job was to coach him and teach him to get to the point where he could do things on his own. He now can do almost everything on his own. Uh, he's almost at the point where he is almost self-sufficient. He's certainly financially self-sufficient because he makes more money than most of us. Um, he's physically self-sufficient because he can pretty much do anything now. Um, he's emotionally pretty self-sufficient. Now we're working on the intellectual and cognitive side where we teach him some things that he didn't learn in the first 18 years because we accepted society's norms for him. But we now believe Chris can learn so much more than society has told us. So now we're going to start applying the 1% to his cognitive side. Yeah. My mission the next few years is to teach Chris how to think, how to process, how to reason, how to make the right decisions, uh, how to truly be independent with very, very little guidance. And so that's why this was so possible because my dream and my wife's dream for him was so big that the effort was negligible. And you were basically told right from his birth that there was no independence, correct? And, and we accepted it. You accepted it. I'm so not true. Chris can, if you see Chris today, we, we just, you know, take him to the gym or drop him off or whatever. And he's, he's got everything done. He knows what to do. He gets it done. He goes to his locker, takes out his, his lock, does it all himself, puts his stuff away, trains. He does everything. And then he's done. And, um, you know, he has become independent. I think we need to change our paradigm, our mindset. Yeah. Our kids are so capable, but we have to push them beyond that point. The problem is because your typical child learns so much faster, 
the, dif the difference between our children and, and the typical children seems like the gap is getting wider and wider. And if you remember in the book, there's a place where I show a graph where actually over an 18-month period, the, the, the gap starts to close. And in Chris's case, the gap closed and he surpassed all of his peers. And, and what was it, what was it specifically where you said to yourself, oh, this, this information that we've been getting is inaccurate. Our son is actually capable of incredible. What shifted that mindset for you? Was it something that happened or did somebody say something or was it a realization within your own relationship? How did that come about? It was actually the data. Um, at about um, 16, 18 months, um, the data, remember, I'm a, I'm a money um, um, metrics guy. Yeah, yeah. And so at about 16, 18 months, I saw the data starting to compound. And I said, oh, boy, if it keeps compounding at this rate, he's going to do amazing things. And I believed he could. And between um, 18 months and 30 months, he absolutely exploded in terms of his personal development. All right, buddy, put those muscles down. And that's what convinced me. It was, it was the data and the numbers. Uh, and I knew that the metrics, um, if they sustain themselves, uh, he could do amazing things. And I believed he could because I, I was seeing the foundation building so strong that the next level it was getting easier and easier. Uh, and there was a point um, at about the same time where um, Chris was practicing a speech and um, Chris couldn't remember very much. That was part of his learning disability. And then all of a sudden one day, we're reviewing one of the speech he does. It was 32 PowerPoint slides, about a 20 minute speech. And Chris, one day I pulled it away from him and he started doing it from memory. And I said, oh my gosh, something else is going on. He is learning better and faster. And I noticed his skills were improving faster because what used to take me weeks to teach him, now he was learning in days and hours and some of it even in minutes. And so uh, I saw things after about 16, 18 months that uh, convinced me that we were all wrong. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It, when we get done here, I'd like to get a, um, a, a personal address for you. I'd like, there's a bunch of books I'd like to send you that I think that you guys would find absolutely amazing. There was um, Glenn Doman. Did you ever hear Glenn Doman's name mentioned? Um, Glenn was working with uh, babies way back in the 70s that were, that were considered in the day when we used the term retarded. Um, and, he was, and he was showing doctors that, that you literally could teach from a cellular level the mind to do things that people didn't think that the brain could do. And he was teaching babies how to walk, how to talk, um, how to read, and all these things that doctors were saying that absolutely could not be done with certain individuals. And I think he was out of, I think he was out of Pittsburgh, Glenn. But I got some stuff I'd like to send you guys that I think that you would find absolutely fantastic. And um, I, I just want to, let's talk a little bit about, so everybody that's going to be listening to this understands that it's Down Syndrome Awareness Month. Um, and one of the things that we're doing is we're raising awareness so that people really understand what the potential is, what's actually going on with the idea of Down syndrome, and, you know, also what the, what the paradigms are that are absolutely not true and how can we can overcome them so that we can set more and more people free about this. You want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. So, so there are some physical um, uh, paradigms. 
you know, the, the most obvious, um, they have poor balance, so they can't ride a bike. They have low muscle tone, so they can't really physically do much, right? Um, and, and so those are the obvious ones, right? Okay. They learn slowly. What, we've, what we showed is that, yes, they have low muscle tone, but if you get past that certain point, um, you can change that. And so in Chris's case, people who are watching him run now, they said, oh, my gosh, he's a different person. Physically, he's a different person. Yes, because we surpassed, we overcame the obstacle, and now his muscles are strong. And then there's a benefit to that. It took him such a long time to build them that his recovery is faster. And so he's actually getting gaining an advantage now because of that low muscle tone. But it took a long time to get there. Okay. Poor balance, same thing. Uh, you know, riding a bike was really hard. Chris could barely stay balanced. It took six months to learn how to ride a bike. Now Chris rides 25 to 35 miles an hour uh, at an amazing clip. And he, Chris hasn't fallen off his bike in a year. So he has learned how to balance. So uh, perceptions are you can't do that. And then when you see Chris run and ride and do 400 push-ups, you say, oh, that's different. And that's one of the perceptions. The last perception we're going to change over the next couple of years is the cognitive side. People say with his uh, IQ, he can't do, right? So the term is these are all the things he can't do. And what we're saying, and what Chris is going to say is, watch me, right? And that's what he says all the time when people tell him he can't do something. And so we're going to prove that cognitively, um, he can do all the things he needs to do to hold on a job, have a family, be social in environments, be appropriate, do all the things he needs to do. So those are the three major ones, you know, okay. in my mind, uh, you know, physical and intellectual, and then, of course, the social side. Yeah. Just so in the, in the work that I do, I help people realize the idea that the success that they want in life is inside of them. It's not something that they learn outside. It's an awareness and it's different. And, and I, I use this metaphor to explain it sometimes. You know, if you go to school and you learn algebra and you don't ever do algebra again or very often, by the time you're raising children, you'll forget the formulas to do algebra. But when you take something like swimming or riding a bike, those, those, the ability to do that is already locked up inside of yourself. And as you put the demand, which is what you were talking about, on the person, they become aware that they have that in them. So it's not like you learn how to balance, you become aware that you have the balance in you. You become aware that you can swim within you. Earning money is the same way. Success itself, we were born to be successful. I mean, it is in the nature, it's in the biological nature of every living thing. And it's not something that's learned. It's something through the stressors of life, we become aware that we already have it in us. And I think it's so amazing, Chris, that you're changing the minds of the medical community to wake up to the idea that you're as brilliant as any person that has ever walked the face of this earth and you're going to show them that because it's not about what's in a textbook that makes you that brilliant. It's about what's in your heart and your soul and your mind that God gave you when you came into this into this incarnation. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Well said. What did Grandma call you? Genius. Are you Grandma genius? genius? Yeah. Yes. And so Grandma has the right word for him. She calls him her genius. And, and I love the way you just stated that. And that's what happened to us. We became aware that he had all of this inside of him. It was just buried so deep and it was buried by society's perceptions that we believed that. So all we did was we started to 
um, you know, kind of dig away, dig away, dig away until we allowed all of those gifts that he's been given to, to kind of flourish and for him to become aware of what's possible. And look, what we've seen is the more he learns, the, the more he can learn. People say, hey, uh, when he did the Ironman, that was impossible. Then when he finished it, they said, that's the limit to his potential. And what I tell them is, boy, you haven't seen anything yet because that's just the beginning now for Chris. Iron Man is the beginning. The potential is so far out, we can't even begin to, to put our heads around where his potential is. And so Chris has a journey. He's 21. He's got, over the next 10 years, just watch him change the world. Um, not because it's good for Chris, but because through his example, like Roger Banster, he's going to open the door for millions of others with and without disabilities to believe more in their own abilities and to take the first step to achieve uh, the gifts that God gave them. And I think if Chris spends a life of purpose uh, helping other people realize what they're capable of, that's a life well lived. Absolutely. I completely agree. There's a, there's a commencement, a commencement speech that Denzel Washington gave, I think it was to Harvard back in 2015. And part of it, he said, that the desire that's in your heart is God's proof to you sent beforehand that you can do the thing that you have the desire to do. And I believe that with all my heart and soul. I saw it in my life. I've seen it in so many people. I see it in the both of you and the, the, the changes. The other thing is, is never forget that there's a reason it's happening now. There's a reason it's happening now. It's not just for um, the ideas of uh, Down syndrome, it, it that crosses over to every human being on the planet. You know, have you gotten any pushback on this? By the way, just curious. Any 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 negative uh, feedback on on the accomplishment? A little bit, you know, a little, bit? A little bit, but it's so negligible that I'm yeah. actually kind of surprised by it um, because you know, in every accomplishment, you always have lots of naysayers and doubters. Um, we had more feed, negative feedback earlier that we were pushing our child too hard. Um, and then the more he accomplished, the more people started to overcome that and started to follow. And so, yes, we, we hear a little bit, but it is so rare. Yeah. And I think to your point, I, I think part of the reason God picked Chris is because it's hard to criticize him. That's a good point. I love that. I think he picked them for a reason because yep. in this world, it's easy to criticize everybody. It it's is. It's easy to find fault. And I think people have a hard time criticizing uh, Chris. Right. It'd be easier to criticize you than it would it's be to criticize easy. him. Yeah. And, and they do. So a lot of the criticism is of me that I'm pushing him too hard. And I'm saying, look, I, I, I respect what you're saying, but you have to understand I was watching him at the age of 18, sit on a couch and realizing that was the rest of his life. And I said, I had to choose between uh, allowing him to spend the rest of his life isolated or seeing what he could do. And look, you tell me which option you would choose for your child. So yeah. uh, we, my wife and I chose the option of preparing him for independence and inclusion and giving him a sense of purpose in life. And of course, we're protective, and especially my wife's more protective than I am. Well, of course, we're protective. We, you know, people say, "Well, you're having him, you know, ride in in Hawaii on the on the big hills." I said, "Yes, but I've taught him how to do that. Uh, I've taught him how to handle the brakes and the and all that. He, it's no problem. If you teach people how to overcome obstacles, 
they can handle them. And so it's not that, you know, there aren't obstacles and risk. It's that you teach people how to handle obstacles and risk. And that's what we're doing with Chris is we're teaching him how to handle obstacles and risks. He's prepared. He's prepared. He's prepared. He's absolutely prepared. That's, that's Are fantastic. Ready? Are you ready to tackle the world? <laughs> yes, you are. Yes, you are. Um, I would absolutely like after you do a few more things, if there's any way that I can help, Anytime you want to come on the show and, and, and talk about what you've done, I would love to help you get the message out. This is the, this is the book, 1% Better, Reaching My Full Potential and How You Can Too. Uh, and it is just fantastic. I mean, I couldn't, I'm, like I dog-eared this thing and only had it for a couple of weeks. It is extraordinary. Where can they get the book? You said basically any of the Amazon, any place, right? Any of the major outlets, they can get the book, uh, have it delivered directly to them. It's easy. Uh, If they want a personalized signed copy, they can go to our website, and we're happy to take the time and and, uh, personalize them and and send them directly to people if they wish. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, I just want to say thank you for both of you coming on. I'm honored to be able to talk to you. I wish you all the best in life, and it's amazing to see somebody step into their God-given purpose to change the world. And that's what you're doing, man. I mean, congratulations. And thank you very much again. Thank you so much. And we appreciate the opportunity. You're welcome. Take care now. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff. Okay. That was great. That was fantastic. How do you feel? You feel good? Feel great. How do you feel? Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did Daddy talk too much this time? Yeah. Yeah, usually you talk a lot more. Uh-huh. I know. Next time. Next time you do all the talking. Yeah. What did you tell your daddy this morning when we were doing the basket machine? I said, I'm a beast. I'm going to work hard. What would you call me? Oh. You said, you're still old. <laughs> <laughs>